Okay, so now the time of Biur arrives. What do you what do you do? So um the Mishnah says, What he first does is distributes three meals. This is prior to this mitzvah of Biur. Um, he distributes three sudot worth What's lekolachad vechad? Marfulda says manchei beito. First, he gives the people in his household. He can give it to his neighbors or the Krovav, his relatives, or Miyadav, anyone he's familiar with. And then what he does is he does, he's mafkir of the property. That's what Mahfulda says. Basically, he comes out in mafkir. And it says, This is the machlok we saw previously. The, who is able to claim this property after Biur? According to Rabbi Huda, which we'll see his, with the basis from his opinion in the Gemara, that it is only the Aniyim can take it, not Ashirim. Now that's strange, because normally we say, when you mafkir is something, it's hefkir to everybody. Only Beit Sham, that's what Beit Hillel says. You can't mafkir la Aniyim. That's, we saw that, we saw that mafloka previously, I think. Um, so how would you understand it, Rabbi Yehuda? Yehuda will get to that soon. That's the gears we have in front of us, which means both Anim and Ashirim, they can come back and reclaim, and that fits in with the Gemara we were discussing yesterday. Um, what's interesting here, if you recall, we I mentioned a machlok that we had about what does Biur mean. And we've been assuming really it means to be mafkirat, but I've mentioned along the way that the Rambam holds it actually means to destroy it. So it, for, for that reason... What's interesting, the Giras of the Rambam here is Rabbi Yossi Omer, Achad Aniim Vachad Eshrim. What would he read here? Not Ochlim Achar Abiyur, rather Ein Ochlim Achar Abiyur. That's the way the Rambam would have to read it. Well, that's the Giras of the Rambam in Perak Mishnayas, because again, importantly, he holds that Biur means destroying it. So how can, how can anyone eat it if it's destroyed? Okay. But again, we'll continue with the, the general assumption that what does it mean, Biur? It means to be mafkir. Let's continue with the Mishnah. Let's let's say someone has produce, Shmita produce, that was given to him as a gift or he inherited it. Now, exactly what are the circumstances of this case, we'll learn about in the Gemara. However, what it seems to be is Reb says he cannot keep it. He has to give it to whoever can have it after the year, it sounds like. However, meaning the way the Reb Chaim initially explains it, he explains that it means whoever can eat it after Biur, depending on the machshitur it is, it's just aniyim or the animashrim, that's why it says lo niska, Which is interesting, meaning the sinner cannot benefit. So what should happen? Rather, what he should sell it. So he cannot give it away. He has to sell what he received as a matana or as, a, as Yerusha. And then the money itself he cannot, uh, he cannot benefit from, rather has to be distributed. So what it sounds like here is something's gone wrong here. Something's wrong with him receiving this as a gift or receiving it as Yerusha. The Gemara will ask why that is the case. So it's a machlok that either has to give it away or a coin chachamim, maybe giving it away is going to be a problem. So he can't give it away. He has to sell it to these other, to, to other people. And even the money he can't keep, he has to give it away. Either, it's interesting, the Mafrach Mishnah will become more clear as we go through the Gemara. Either Beitin, I think it's quite the grass, the Beitin has to give it away, has to actually distribute the money, or the people he bought it from, you give them back the money. I think that's it, if I'm not mistaken. You give it to them, and then they would go and um, then they would distribute and give it to other people. Now, why is that? We'll see in the Gemara. Then it adds as follows. 
halacha misach vid ad shlohu muchalata. So if we, we know that um, there's a mitzvah challah, that if someone produces a significant amount of dough, he has to separate what's called challah and give it to the koinim. Now, if he does so in the Shemitah year and doesn't mafrish challah, then he would be chayiv mitah. That's mitah bere shemayim, meaning it's considered effectively like any other year of the Shemitah, any other year of the Shemitah cycle, and then um, it would be chayiv mitah. Now, why does he need to tell us that? Well, the simple understanding is you might think that everything is Shemitah's hefker, you're part of from Trumas or Masra, so therefore, you know, maybe also your partner from Chala know that quite clearly the chiyuv of Chala comes on after Misha Gelia Isa, once you, the, the dough has been um, all kneaded together. So the, it's the Misha telling us no, the chiyuv of Chala exists even in the Shemitah year. Okay, so let's now let the Gemara do all the analysis for us. It says, Ma'atam de Rebel Yehuda. So if you recall, we discussed in the Mishnah, it's after Biur, who has the right to come and collect it? Is it only the Anim or everybody can? Interesting, just as a side note, I think it's a fair to Israel here. Again, one of the Mafarish Mishnah says that the, we've been understanding and will continue to understand the Gemara that Ashir and Ani is a matter of financial uh, position. Okay. However, there is another opinion that, that Ani Ashir, Ashir refers to the owner of the Peirot and Anim refers to anybody else. But that's a really a discussion for your further study. But that's just for your, again, own sign benefit. But let's continue. So what's the base of Yehuda that means only the Anim can take it? Because it says in the Torah, in the Torah, it says, Well, who's going to eat it? The Evyonei HaMecha. And they should take it. So you understand quite clearly, that who gets to take it? Only Evyonei HaMecha. Now, a really interesting point is, but what happened to our question before? Granted, that it's really aniim, but what we just said before, which was mafkir something, a mafkir to everybody. So, what's interesting here, the Mishnah Rishona says, is this is a din, and yes, indeed, you're mafkir to everybody, it's hefkir. However, it's a din, not with, it's a, almost like an isur for the ashim to take it. So, it's not a din, in, like, let's call it the heftzab in the gavra, if you want to use that type of lashon. Um, that it's not a din in um, in, in how your mafkir, no, your mafkir and your mafkir when it comes to manbiur. But it's a question who has the, who is has a reshut to take it, or is an isra for Ashir takes it? And I'm sure there are plenty of other mafkirim as you can see if you keep on um, going further. But let's continue. Um, <clears throat> the Rabbi what's the shit of Rabbi Yossi? He says even Ashirin. He understands the pasuk differently. He says quotes the same pasuk as well. And Rabbi Chaim says there's two ways to understand it. Either that's meaning other people can take it, or meaning and the meaning everybody else can also take it. So that's again two ways to understand how the drasha works. So Tana Rabbi Shimon once again, as was taught, the Ashrim can eat after his manbiur. It says after the danbiur. My time with the Rebbe once again, because it says, Okay, that's the proof for it. Let's continue. Now, the question this is the interesting case of the person say, either got Yerusha or got gifted lots of perachvid. And the question is, why do we have these restrictions? What he can do with it? So, there's two ways to understand it. Rabbi Shimon begins by saying, Ama Omer, but Averu, he manita. We're talking about parrot Avera. What's parrot Avera? What type of Shemitah produce are you not allowed to have? 
And that is, if it was referring to produce that was, went past Man Biur, and the Mitzvah Biur Biur wasn't performed. So therefore, that period is us. Okay? So therefore, um, <clears throat> he's got, he comes to his possession, and what do we do? Um, so uh, uh, so I'll, read, I'll just read, read you the Rebbe says, Damisha, how you will perot shvich, naflu biyurusha perot, avera mayrish, lo biyur amorish. So therefore, the Chiddush of the Mishnah, despite the fact we feel like it's Asur, what you can still do, the Chiddush is you can give it to other people. Okay? Now, the, the, the Gemara asks, But one second, it says that if someone finds Peirot that have gone past Mambiur that are Asur, you're not allowed to touch them. They're Asur lachilim the Rabbanan. So what's, uh, how can you say that, you should, that he's allowed to even uh, do anything with it? So it says, our case is different. Why? Uh, the difference if you find it on the street or versus where it was given to an individual as Yerusha, meaning there it's coming to his possession, meaning it's, uh, it's like almost by way of Yerusha forced into his possession. It's not like he went to look for it and found some. So therefore, that's why in that situation we rule differently, meaning if it was really a pair of biur that he found, you can't touch it. However, here it's come to possession by force. That's why you've got a machlok in the Mishnah between Rabbi Eliezer and Chachamim what to do with it. Either we say, or Chachamim says, we don't want the chota to niskar. We don't want the, what's the chota niskar, meaning the, the Moorish or the person giving matana. He is, he is benefiting from the fact he's being gifting over this pair of isur. We don't want to benefit from that, so therefore the person who received it can't get any heart whatsoever from it. Let's continue. Rabbi Yochanan says, no. But Peirot Heter Himanita. We're talking about proper Shemitah produce. Okay. So the Gemara asks, Bahada Tanin and Rebbe Yezer Lehem. He says, I don't understand. If it's Peirot Heter, why can't he keep it himself? Someone gave him Perot Heter. I mean, it's Perot Shvid. It's not past Manbiur. Or he received the Rusha. Why can't he keep it? So he say, Rebeliezer Dehu Shemuti. Meaning, what's his Shemuti? Meaning he is from Beit Shammai. And therefore what? Tetanin and Ochlin Perot Shvid. Now take the word Betova here. Because Shita Beit Shammai is you can only have it Shiloh Betova. You're not allowed to have it. You're not allowed to take Perot Shvid Betova. If you recall. And by, therefore, by giving the gift, the person is going to owe him a favor. This is considered giving a batova. So giving it as a gift or giving as a rusha is not the right way of doing it. You're not allowed to do that with parashvit. Ah, that's the problem. So that's what the chotenisgar is. That's the issue. So therefore... Sorry? Shlachmanes. Remember the discussion about shlachmanes? Right. So about shlachmanes. So in other words, it would sound like, according to Beit Shammah, you wouldn't be able to give it as shlachmanes. We're not talking about giving it back. We're talking... Because that your question was, if you received it, can you give it back? Here, according to Rebel Yez, you can't even give it as Shlachmanas. Okay? Because, um, fine. So, uh, so, Bahadurab, so the, where are we? So the Bahadurab Banan Mativin Leishena Chotaniskar, but I don't understand. Shitat Rabbanan, they follow Beit Hillel. And according to Beit Hillel, it's Tova Veshalobotova. You can receive it. You can give it as, you can receive it as a gift. There's no problem there. So the Gemara says, no, that's Beshitato Shivuhu. In other words, they're saying, according to us, there's nothing wrong with this case whatsoever. But according to you who hold like Beit Shammai, how then is it possible, according to you, um, I'll read Reb Chaim, it says, 
In other words, you find it a problem what this person received a gift. If he goes on, on now and gives it to other people a gift, he's doing the same problem. He's doing the same Avera. So how can that work? So So how can he, in other words, the resolution you're giving to solve this problem is itself a problem. That's what Chachamim is saying back to, to, to uh, Rebbe Leozer. Listen, again, What's Rebbe is saying? Receiving a gift, you're not allowed to do that because you're not allowed to give. Sh- sh- um, you can only, the perotrophy can only be shalovatova. So Rebbe is saying, okay, you should have received it, so give it to other people, give it away. But giving it away itself is a problem according to your Shita Chachamim say. So what's the only resolution? The only resolution then is what? That he sells it to other people, therefore he's not giving it as a gift. And but he can't benefit from the, from, from the money because so therefore he has to give the money away as well. And importantly, as I said to you, there's the Mafarshim, he necessarily can't give away this money because, again, it's also doing something to the Tobit or Shoma Favor. So, therefore, yeah, as I said, it's either given the bait and distribute or the person he gave it to, uh, so sold it to, gives them the money back and say, okay, give it away to other people. Okay, those are the different explanations. Let's get into Amar of Bevai. He says, Horu Now, this sort of closing off this whole section of Kedusha Shvi's really because the next parak we start talking about Shmita um, Ksafim, is we sort of close off a few final points here. And the first one is Machel Bahima. So the question is, um, do, they, uh, do, they, do they require, does the Mount require Biur? So Arigi Reb Chaimi says, Kundasaya, this is Machel Bahima. Umortav Yeshlehem Shvit. The Ma'ot, meaning, the, if, again, if it's exchanged for money or sold, the money also has Kedusha Shvit. The question is, if when Zman Biur arrived and you didn't perform Biur, then we say Nesro, the Bekamasu. So the Psak is, you have to be thrown to Yamamelech. The Kaim Asu. The Kamash Malan, what's the point of the Gemara here? So, in other words, what we learn here is that, that also if someone passes Zman Biur and doesn't avire it, then also they will go there to make it Asur as well. Which again, it is clear that this whole isur, when it becomes asur, is mushum gzera darabanan. Because as we said, just to make it clear, if you remember, let's just go back a bit in the Gemara. I don't want to confuse you. The Reish Lakish who understood the whole issue here was in about when he received it as a gift, was talking about that was that which was beis. And then we said, you know, generally, it's asur, but because he was it was forced upon him through by way of Rusha, that's why he can give it away. So it's quite clear here that. Again, it comes clear, that's what's clear in the parish of Rukhaim, is that it's really that after Zman Biur, if someone doesn't mavar it, when it becomes Asu, it's Xerad Arbanan. That's why he saw a, a leniency when it's in the context of Yerusha, according to Reish Lakish. And here, the, the question was, do, do we extend extringency onto Machel Bahim as well, Achar Reis Man Biur? And the answer is yes. Let's continue. Rav Manashal Rilchizkiya, Maosh Miyavla, Miyavla is to transfer, to take Mipunim Le'eshkelon. Ashkelon, sorry. Now, we've discussed previously that Ashkelon was like Chutz Aretz for Perishvid. Now, the question is, when it came to, um, when it came, we said, you're not allowed to take Perishvid outside to, to, to Chutz Aretz. Now, the question here is, does it apply also to Machel Behema? So the answer is, is Amar Lehi, he says it's Asur as well. So again, we're sort of tying off a few final questions regarding Machel Behema. We're learning that the, the, if, it, the, if it one passes the it becomes Asa, and also the, the Xera about not taking out the Chutzar, also applies. Now, Rav Chizkiah became Beshuka de Kisrin. Rav Chizkiah was in the Shuk of Kisrin. Sorry, I think it is. Chama Chad Ta'in Alal. 
min isur. So what did he happen? He saw someone carrying some peirut achaz mambiur. What did he do? Hafach apuyei delo michyamnei. And then it says Tani Parak. We have to understand what Tani Parak is. So what happens is he saw someone carrying some loading some food or had a load of food that was pas mambiur, which was asur. And what did he do? He turned his face away. Now, why did he turn his face away? So there's a few explanations. One is, Rav Fulda says he turned his face away. That they might call him, can you help us unpack it? He didn't want to have anything to do with his past whatsoever. <clears throat> Um, and another one is, which is interesting, is the, um, the, uh, the, uh, the Rosh Cerullo says he turned his face away because Shiloli because it's Asul to look at Adam Ra, so he didn't want to even look at him, which is like a more humble way of perceiving what was going on. Not just they wouldn't notice him, but he didn't want to have a look at these people. Um, uh, fine. Pretty much it's a bit like my uh, the What's uh, What's interesting here is, um, is that the Rav Chaim says... He, because he didn't have the capacity to give him tochach and stop them, that's why he turned away in this context. Right? Much more if he had the capacity of tochach and, and stop them, he would, have, he would have done so. But that might be what the answer is, the explanation would have Tani Farak. Like Shonea Farak, he was toen and then Farak and loading and unloading. That's one way of understanding it. What's interesting here is, is that according to the Rosh Cerilio, Tani it doesn't say Tani Farak, meaning Shoneo Farak, like Toino Farak, but rather Hachin Farak, meaning what happened is as Parak, I'll read you the Rosh Cerilio, says, Mipnei hanazifa parak me'alav ha-masa v'lon namisham ad shedar ar-jogotam chayam o-bahima. It sounds like, according to the Rosh Cerilio, his nazifa, his turning away, had an impact on them, and they were they unloaded it. Okay, so there's a discussion whether they had an impact directly on the people, but the question is, the Gemara says, even according to the other shito that says it just didn't want to have anything to do with them, um, the question, Gemara asks, why did he do so? And why did he say such a, like a public sort of protest, if you like? That's Kadesh That's so, the, to make an impression um, on, the, on the, the people to recognize that what they were doing was wrong. It was like almost to take a stand. Uh, it says, to, to accent what's happening here and saying what's going on is wrong. What's interesting here is the Rosh Hashanah has a completely different take on it. It says, meaning, why did he do this? Why did he enforce him to do so? And he says, let's remember what we learned in Masech the Damai. I'm going to do a little bit of uh, extension this time because it sort of relates to what we've learned Damai. He, says, he, he said he wasn't goiser um, uh, on Kisrin. Even though Rebbe said he wasn't goiser on, on Kisrin, his hete wasn't poshet. It didn't um, really take hold, if you like. To make it considered like chutzaretz. Um, so that's for Omai Kansai. It says, In other words, it seemed to be that there, was a, there seemed to be a bit, uh, bit of a gray area about Kisrin. So the question, why was he making such a stand? And that was, again, to make a demonstration to the people to not be so makil with Israel. But again, that's a little sort of firm benefit that ties us a bit back into Tamayan a little bit. But again, the simple understanding here, again, just to make it just to clean up what we just learned to, to make it a bit clearer. And Chaim says he witnessed what was going on. He, t- he wasn't able to do a... Uh, wasn't able to stop him. He turned his face away. The Gemara says, why did he turn his face away? And again, it was simply to make a stand to tell everyone, by keeping Perot Achar's Mambiur, it is the wrong thing to do. Therefore, we didn't want to look at it. Okay.
Let's continue. Rabbi Yeshua, Rabbi Yeshua ben Levi, have you mafked letal midday? Lo tiz bin yerek el min ginta desisra. Now we saw this sugya also back in Demai. And he says, he told us, I mean, I don't want you to purchase me produce from the ginta desisra. Now ginta desisra, again, lots of explanations here, but I've already sort of elaborated too much on other things. So let's just keep it simple with Rabchaim. He says it was a sada shel sisra. Um, it was Yerushahim for him law. Meaning, it was a sade nochri. Um, so I explain. Kamim is. Wait, 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 isn't it? Oh, sorry, I read the wrong Chaim. Let's go back. Elakinta de Sisra, sorry, Shah Samuch, Samuch al Sisra had goishi gina shalo yerusha mavotav, below gazal gezobiado. He was quite certain that this field was belonged to a Sisra. Here it's the name of a goy, importantly. Rasur explains it differently. And therefore, he didn't want to take it from a, another goy's field out of concern that it was a field that was stolen from a Jew. So he had a Kabbalah. He thought that this field was truly a goy's field and it was never stolen. And he felt that, the, that, um, that he, that yesh akum, and therefore this parent didn't have to do shachvitz. He didn't want to take from other goyim out of concern. Maybe belong to a goy, but so was, this was his chumrah. He only wanted to get from this goy because he felt that yesh uh, kinen le goy la akum and the parent wouldn't have shvit. However, kami mei zachulatov. Who's zachulatov? That's Eliyahu Navi. Eliyahu would approach him if you recall this story. Amalei azil emor l'rabech. They said to, he said to, sorry he said to the students go tell your rav late hadar ginta de sisra dihudai. Did, sorry, this is not the Gin of Sisra. Why do you die, Havod? It was really belonged to a Jew. The Katle killed him in Nasav Minen. So this is also a field that was stolen by a Jew. If you want to be Machmir, the Reb Chaim explains, if you're a Machmir about not taking from other fields of Goyim, you have to treat this field exactly like all those ones as well. So in other words, you don't, if you're taking, if you're really Machmir to take precedence to this field, it doesn't make any sense because this also is a field that was uh, originally of Jews and was, um, the owner was killed and it was, the land was seized. Okay. Now, there was this particular person who was Chashur on Shemitah, meaning he was over on the Israel of Shemitah. But he said to his wife, I want you to mafresh chala. She said to him, You, you, you seem to be Chashur on Shemitah and you see now you want to be Machmir and mafresh chala. What's wrong with you? So Amar La, he said to her, Chala midvar Torah. Chala is Doraita. However, Shvi'it midraban, midraban Gamliel v'chaverav. Shmita, which is Shmita bizman hazeh, that's midraban Gamliel v'chaverav, meaning it's midrabanan. So that's why I, I, tra- I treat it uh, quite casually. But ah, Chala, that's Doraita. That's why I'm, that's going to be machi. So we say, Hadran Lach, HaPegam Barivuzin, Hadran Lach, HaPegam Barivuzin, Hadran Lach, HaPegam Barivuzin. Okay, let's learn the next Mishnah. HaShmita Meshamete Tatamal V'Bishtar. So Shmita is Meshamet, meaning it absolves debts, as we know when it comes to Shmita year. Teshmot Kol Bal Meshayado. And uh, meaning all debts are absolved, and it happens at the end of the Shmita year. And there's an Aveira, there's at first, there's a Mitzvah Asa, and the Mitzvah Lotta say of Loigos. You're not allowed to press the person to get your money back. So it absolves all debt, whether it's Bishtar or Bishlo Bishtar, whether they're contractual or not. Hakafatachanot, if you have a credit at a Makolet, for example, Enu Meshamet, that loan is not absolved. Well, it's not really a loan, that's a point, it's a credit. However, Imasal Malve, if he turns it into a loan, 
Now, how does someone turn into a loan? Chaim brings two different ex- explanations. One is where the, the, the Baal Chanot says, okay, <clears throat> you, you now need to pay me by, X, like, by such and such a date. Now it's a loan. Because it's no longer a credit line anymore. Now you're saying this is the payment, this is payment due. That turned it into a loan. Another understanding is if he does simply a subtotal and say, this is how much you now owe me, that's enough to turn it into a loan. Okay, we'll see other explanations of the Gemara soon. Sachar Schir, what about uh, a, a worker's payment? Eno Meshamet, again, that's just, you, the fact you owe him money doesn't mean it's a loan. How will you miss Melva if he turns into a loan? How raise a Meshamet? Rabbi Yossi says, Meaning any work, a long contract, if it ends during the Shemitah year, then the loan ends during the Shemitah year, that's when it's now Meshamet. Why? Because we say, Rechaim explains it here. That because um, where is it? Uh, here, uh, but let's just finish this. If it doesn't possess the shvitz, it's not a Here, here it says. If the contract ends, he finishes doing shmit and now it turns into a loan. However, if it's not, they're not. Meaning, because it comes to schirot payment for work. This is important. This is one of what I tried to find. It's Enu Mishdalem Emasov. The money is due when the, when the work ends. So if therefore, as soon as the work ends, now money is due. From that point onwards, now alone. That's why the critical piece is whether it is what? Whether it fin- the work, the whole contract finishes during the Shemitah year or not. Another explanation, by the way, is in the Marafulda. He says, it's not whether the work finishes there or not. It depends on the nature of the work. If at the nature of the work, you've got an ongoing contract with an individual and the, the type of work he will do cannot perform during Shemitah, that's when now the payment due to him turns into a milva. However, it's the type of work that continue during Shemitah, then it's not. Okay, let's continue. Now here what's happened is they kept two days Rosh Hashanah because they weren't sure again where the Edim would come. So it's possible the first day of Rosh Hashanah is really the last day of Elul. That's really important to understand here. Not like nowadays where we say Rosh Hashanah is the first and second day of uh, Tishrei. Important to understand is that it could either be the 30th day of Elul or the first day of, of Tishrei. Now, this person who shechted the para, what did he do? He shechted, it, could be, it could be the butcher. And he was Chilka. He divided it up and he said, okay, all of you will pay me after Yontav. Now, it says, Im Chodesh Me'ubar. If, however, happens to be a Chodesh Me'ubar, I mean, the Edim didn't come on that first day. That means really that was the last day of Elul. Then what happened is, well, that was alone and the, the year ended. And now, Mashmit, he's not, he, the, the, the loan's off, and he doesn't, they don't have to really, Mikar didn't have to pay the, uh, the, the, the butcher any money whatsoever. However, in love, if the Edim did come, then when he was Mechalik, the meat, that was the first day of the eighth year, and therefore, Eno Mashmit, therefore, that loan is a loan from post Shmita, and they have to pay him back. Let's continue. These are various knasot. Yes, there are monetary compensations as well, but we're talking about the fine parts of it. So, Ones Mafate Moti Shemra. So, the, so that's a rape and, uh, in the case of seduction. Moti Shemra, where the person gets married and claimed the woman was unfaithful during the, he didn't find petroleum, she was unfaithful during the, the, the um, engagement period, or the kiddushin period, I should say. And then he's found out to be false. So there's a knas that has to be paid. For call master baitin, anything that's a master baitin, ain't a mashmitin. They are not absolved. Why? Because it's not, it's not like a debt that's owed to the person. It's something that's claimed by baitin. And therefore, it's not considered a debt. Hamada mashkon, if, however, someone mal- lends someone money and there's a mashkon, there's a collateral in the lender's possession, 
when he hands over the star to Beitin, then they're also not absolved. Why? Because it says in Torah, that which you have in your friend's possession, you should leave your um, you should you should leave off. In other words, that's assuming what? That it's not already in your possession. So therefore, in the case where you have a collateral in your possession, it's no longer it's not like because because you've already got something here. That considered already if it kilos if it's collected. So that's why if there's a mashkon, it's not considered as if it's um it's not considered Shvid is in the And similarly, if you give up a start to bait in collect, then it's no longer la doing the collecting. So therefore there's no problem. Then, then we say, um Ari Rachaim says, O baitin go nogso, and the Gemara is going to learn it from Sufi. Let's continue. Hashvin meshametes. So the Gemara says, Nicha shalobishdar. I understand a um, if it's a non-contractual loan that Shmita doesn't absolve it. So it does absolve the debt. However, bishdar, if you, there's a contract, Why isn't a star? Now a star normally has what? There's a lien on property. Why isn't it considered as if you already have a mashkon in your property? And therefore, lo meshamet. Why should a Shmita absolve such a debt? So first answer is Amr Rabbi Yochanan Tifta b'shtasha ein bo achriot bechasim ukarebi meir. One understanding is we're talking about a star that doesn't have achriot nechasim, and it's like shitat Rabbi Meir. Why is it important? It's like shitat Rabbi Meir because he holds Rabbi Meir says that it's love taut sofer if you if you omit achriot um, nechasim. So therefore, since there's no achriot nechasim, achriot nechasim means that if the guy can't pay back, you can claim it from his land. So therefore, it's not as since it's not considered ta'ut sofer, meaning considered a valid contract, even though it doesn't have achrayut nechasim. Therefore, it's not as if you have a mashkon in your possession. That's why it's mishamed. So at the kamei Rabbi Yochanan, it came before Rabbi Yochanan, which is interesting, because Rabbi Yochanan, if you recall, is the one that gave the svara that it's only if it's a shtar she'en achrayut nechasim and only if it's uh, only shitat Rabbi Meir. Okay? That what? That Shemitah would absolve it. However, the incident, incident came before Rabbi Yochanan. It says Bashtar that had it, it says you've got ain, but it says she yesh bo achrit nechasim. Vahoru and he teached Mishamet. It absolved it nonetheless. So why? We brought a, bru- a nice svar to explain otherwise. It says, It says, because in other words, he says, Yes, I we gave a svara perhaps how to explain the Mishnah that only Shitat would be mayor and that's a star that ain't barchit nechasim. But that's a svara. It doesn't say it explicitly in Mishnah. So based on that Sfara, can I now then use that to take extract money from somebody else? So in other words, he wasn't really willing to sorry, willing to rely on the Sfara to read that uh, shot into the Mishnah. And therefore, he passed in that Shviat with Meshamet. Okay? So I remember hearing me, he gives another explanation. No, that we're talking about, it could even be a contractual one with Achriyot Nechassim. And the Shemitah would still absolve that debt. However, that's B'Sha'in Lok Karka. So when are we talking about when she Meshamesh, a contract or loan that has a Rachel or even if it doesn't, by definition, still has to have it. That's when the borrower has no land from which to collect it. And that's why it's considered as if he doesn't have a mashkon in his property. However, Arab Yossi says, no, even if the, 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 the lover, the borrower has karaka, it's still absolved with a contractual loan. Why? So after Rabbi Yossi Krav, these rebels is like Rav. The Amarav bar, 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 bar sorry, the Arabi bar, bar, the Shem Rav. 
Yichad lo karka, if he had set aside karka, eno meshamet, eno meshamet, sorry. I'm changing a few words along the way, you'll see. Lo amru ele yichad lo, ha'im lo yichad lo meshamet. Meaning, it's only if he specifically identified lands from which to take the loans, that's when you say it's like a mashkon. However, just stam achrayut nechasim around it, that's not enough to say it's like a mashkon to say that Shemitah wouldn't now absolve that loan. So generally, all forms, so we can understand the Mishnah Kapshuto, both contractual loans and or non-contractual loans, even if it has Archon Nechasim, Shemitah is, absolves it. The only exception is if he's Yechad Lo Karaka, okay, from which to take it, okay? Um, let's continue. Hamish, uh, there's something I want to say here. Uh, let's continue. Anyway. Hamesh Abed so it's someone who, who for his wife, says he's meshabed sadel ishto. And he says, uh, he says you, like, um, you, you, you can collect your ketubah from these lands. Ba'alachumachara. And then, she go, and then he goes and sells it. Imrat sta, if she wants, she can lagabot mimena. She can want, if she wants, go back and claim that land back from the, uh, from the person who he, the, the husband sold it to for her ketubah. Or... He can eat all the Meshan Nechassim, or even also from Nechassim, which are Bnei Chore, meaning from, say, the money he has in his possession. So Amrav Hila, Hore Rebbe Lazar, can't deny it. So Rebbe Hila says, the Rebbe Lazar taught like this writer. So Chavraya Bayu, Lotik Ba'ilam Nechassim B'Shul Bedin. So I understand. If he's identified land from which to take Tuba, then she should take it from those lands. Why does it say if she can what? If she can choose, she can take it from, say, the money in his bank account. So Amalur Biosi Benechur He says quite opposite. He says, no. One second. What's the point of identifying karaka? The whole point of identifying karaka is to protect other lukuchot. Meaning that other, in other words, if he didn't identify karaka, then all people who want to buy land from will be concerned that maybe she'll take her ketubah from the lands from me if the husband can't pay the ketubah. Whole point of identifying some of the lands is to protect Lukachot from other lands he's going to sell. He says, don't worry, she's not going to claim it from you because I've identified these lands from which she can collect Lukachot. But that doesn't mean it's exclusively this is where she's going to collect Lukachot from. If she has money that is, uh, sorry, if the husband still has money available to him in his bank account, she could, she would, she could collect it from there. However, this whole teaching is only So this whole idea is is the difference between yechel lo karka or like or like putiki if like that idea or he specified this is the particular land you're taking it from, right? There's a swath of land, or it's like saying this is the exact place because in that situation it is yechel lo specifically land from taking from then we say um, then she, she can't take it in from, from money's bank account. She can only take it from those lands. Okay, so there's, again, difference between um, this language of Apotiki type of thing from this specific or general. Let, let's continue. Sorry, I just noticed the time. What if someone, specifically for a debt, he says, this particular land is for your loan. Um and then the lover goes and sells it. Ravacha says, According to the first opinion, it is, it, yes, it's, it, it's a good mechira, it's sold, but temporarily. Meaning if the malva wants, needs, to, needs to come and get his money back and there's no means of collecting the money, he can, he, then obviously he takes it from that individual. However, no, it's not even sold temporarily. At all. It's, it's no mechira at all. 
So Chela the Rabbi Yossi Minhada. Now here we have to fill in the gaps because his proof is from the following, and we actually don't have printed about what the following is because it's what missing and machur. If someone says um, uh, he makes his eved this apotiki, meaning from here you collect your money or his ox, and then the, the lover tries to sell it, it's not a proper sale. So mashma what it seems to be what, what would be the difference between an ox and an eved as opposed to land. So we say no. The Gemara rejects that. Now back to what we have printed in the Gemara. I must have missed a line. Why do we say when someone makes a shorla putiki that it's not a mechira? Because what could happen? The ox could be like run away or die or ever or can disappear. There's ways. There's ways it can be dis- that, that it can come a loss. That's why if, it's a, if that's an aputiki, we say he can never sell it. However, a sade is different because a sade is a sade. It's where's it going to go? Therefore, since it will always come back, it will come back. Now, it says, He says, but one second, what about land? Land can always be taken away by what? By a thug. So, no. Even if land is seized by a thug, what do we say? You know, the, the uh, big thugs, eventually they meet their end, if you like, and therefore, therefore even land is not like an, like an ox that might run away. I'm not sure if you can hear, I've got a bit drilling next door, this bit, bit of background noise, so if you can hear me. Let's just try. Do you mind if doing another minute or two? Just to get to the two dots? Let's try. Okay, let's continue. Tanya, I could have said that If someone writes, if, like, now this is, this is, come as a proof. If someone writes in a field as in a particular isha, it says as follows, Buktubata, Ubalchov Bechovo, Umachra, Hareza Mechura, it is sold, they seem to suggest that if it's that if it's sold, it is actually sold. And it says, you should be concerned that maybe you know the field will be taken back. So he says, no, 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 don't bring a proof from that case, because one might need the Amarla Yela Yelacha Piron Mize. Um Mize. In other words, there's a difference once again. Aputikis means that here I'm designating this area for you to collect your debt from. Okay? And that's the Proket Lukochot. In that situation, everyone agrees if a guy sells it, it's sold. Right? And the What we're talking about is if he says specifically, you're only going to collect your money from specifically this field, not even Bene Chorin. That's a case that is debated whether it's Mechura Lesha'a or not Mechura at all. And just to get to the two dots, Rav Pagma, it says, Rav Amar Pagma lo zakva, zakva afopish lo pagma, Rebbe Chia Amar Achtivon Betizkov. So in other words, according to Rebbe Chaim, interestingly, even though um, the other Mepharshim of all the extents is talking about Isha Nekduba, which is, which is a familiar sugya, by the way, this Lashon is familiar from that sugya in Gitin. However, he says it's referring to the, the, um, the, the shopkeeper. In other words, when does it turn the, the, the credit line turn into a loan? Either, according to the first opinion, it's either pagma, even if lo zakva, or zakva, if you lo pagma. What's the difference? Zakva, we said already, if he says, this is how much you owe me, you've got to pay me this such a date. Pagma means the lokeach started paying it off. So according to Rav, if he starts paying it off, then it's already not considered if the remainder is a loan. And therefore, Schmidt comes along, it will absolve the debt. Or alternatively, if he's just zakfa, if he just uh, turns in, if, if, he, um, if he says, okay, now you owe me by such and such a date. However, Rabbi Chia says, even if he partially pays it off, it doesn't automatically turn into loan. Only if he partially pays it off and the guy goes, oh, you pay me five shekel, now you owe me 95 shekel, this is how much you owe me. You know, the combination of the two, that's when it would turn the credit line at a shop into a loan. And that's when Schmidt would mash it. Okay.
Kol Tov. Have a good day, everyone.